Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. We have a front row seat into the final words of Jesus. John 14 is where we're going to be uh, today. And he really is the way forward. He's leaving the planet. He knows it. He knows that he's about to be betrayed and go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And in 14, John 14, he tells his disciples, uh, don't be troubled. In other words, don't let trouble trouble you. And we saw from the original language that he's actually calling them to stop walking in a progression for, for a place called trouble. He says, I want you to stop walking and progressing into the place called trouble. Turn around and come to me. Uh, the next thing he says is, you, you believe in God, believe also in me. We, we saw that the word belief literally meant to lean upon. It's kind of like the chair you're sitting in. You didn't check the tinsel strength when you sat out. You didn't check the label on the bottom that says, can't handle over so many pounds. You, you sat down by faith this morning. You didn't check the welds. You just sat down. And Jesus is saying, I want you to lean on me like you're sitting in this chair or, or like a, a person with feeble legs would use a walker to go forward. I want you to lean upon me. And then he said his, his third point with laser precision, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he gets their mind off of the moment onto something called heaven. And we saw last week that those of us that believe in Christ will someday go stand in heaven. We will know Jesus. He will know us. We're going to sit with uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're going to hang out with the animals. Yes, there are animals in heaven. The lion and the lamb are there. There's also a bear. And I did confess, even though many of you know I'm not a cat fan, that there will be cats in heaven. I got an email from a lady. She's never emailed me all the years she's been here. Pastor B, you finally came over to our side. You love cats. I said, no, I don't love them at all. But I found out that Jesus does, and it, it's, it's, it's okay. And we saw in verse 6, John 14, 6, where Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he's not being narrow-minded. He's being narrow-focused because there was a lot of messiahs out there at the time. There was a lot of stairways to heaven, so to speak. And Jesus did not want anyone confused about how you get to God the Father because everyone that was religious or quasi-religious, wanted to get to God the Father. How do we get there from here? What a sacrifice do we need to provide? What candles do we need to light? What kind of chanting or prayers do we need to pray? And Jesus says, look, I can give you the way to God the Father because I am that way. Now, I don't know if anyone has ever heard of Florence Chadwick but we got a picture of Florence Chadwick here, and she was born in 1918, and she died in 1995, the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways with success. So she 
went down to the L.A. area over to kind of Marina del Rey, San Pedro, I believe, and wanted to swim 27 miles across the sea to a place called Catalina Island. And she started to swim across that channel. Now, the English Channel was 21 miles, and she swam it both ways, 42 miles. All she had to do was swim 27 miles. And she swam, and she swam, and it wasn't the cold water of the Pacific. It wasn't the jellyfish. It wasn't any sharks. It was the fog. She could not see the shoreline at all. And so as she was swimming, not able to see her destination, she grew fatigued, and she called to the chase boat that was next and said, pull me out of the water. Her mother happened to be in the boat, and her mom said, Florence, keep swimming. Keep swimming, Florence. And Florence said, I am done. And they pulled her into the boat. One mile away from the California coastline. Just one mile away. Wow. As I heard that story, I started to think about the disciples. Jesus is saying, I'm leaving you. You've left everything to follow me. You left your livelihood of fishing for fish. Now I've taught you how to fish for men. And they were in a fog, wondering how they would ever be taught the way they were taught by this rabbi who could teach like no one else. And Jesus says to his disciples, if you really know me in verse 7, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do not know him and have seen him. You do, excuse me, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, there's always one in the crowd, isn't there? Philip, hey, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. And in response, Jesus says, verse 9, John 14, don't you know me, Philip? Even after all of this time that we've been together, three, three years, anyone who has seen me, what does it say? Has seen the Father. Anyone who's seen me. See, Jesus was, and you know this, God wrapped up in flesh. John chapter 1, he became flesh and he lived among us. I love the Message Bible. It says he became flesh and set his tent in the middle of our campsite. Jesus became real, God in flesh. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You want to have faith? You have a lot going on? Well, think of these disciples. There's uncertain times ahead. They're not clear on what's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> and they're sitting there with Jesus. And they're also sitting there with a guy named Judas, who just a chapter before Jesus washed their messy feet, remember? He even washed the feet of the one who would betray him. What kind of love did Jesus have for his disciples? John 14, 10 don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father, what? Living in me. You want to see God, you get to see me. If God showed you himself, you would all melt. 
The glory of God was too much. But God, excuse my Latin, dumbed it down for us. He came to us in human form. And Philip is in the middle of this fog. And you know what we do in the middle of the fog? Don't lose your faith. Just curious. You you don't even need to respond. Is anyone here in a fog? Is anyone here tired? Is anyone here so, so fogged out that you can't hear the voice of God? And I would just tell you this, because I've been in the fog before. Listen for his voice. Don't look for his absence. Look for his presence. Don't focus on the darkness so much that you miss the light. Don't focus on the words of people or the lies of the enemy where where you hear things like, well, nobody loves me or God doesn't love me. And when we sing songs like this morning, you couldn't love me any more than you do right now. Or some of you may be living in the fact that your past defines you when God wants to define you. By the way, God's the only one. Jesus is the only one. The Holy Spirit's the only one. The Bible is the only one that gets to define your life. When someone says, you won't ever amount to anything. You'll never, you'll never. And you just stop and just say, do you know who you're talking to? By the way, let me, let me, let me tell you, if you know Christ, who they're talking to. You are a blood-bought child of God. And this God in flesh named Jesus dies on a cross for you to forgive all of your sins, to give you a new name written in the Lamb's book of life. So someday when you show up into heaven, that place is going to be reserved for you. Jesus said it, John 14. I go to prepare a place for you. Uh, Reservation for one? Yes. Fetterman? Well, that's not your name in heaven. But what is your name? Bernard? Oh, St. Bernard? Yes, we have a... (laughs) Reservation for him right over here. You know, Jesus is connecting with the Old Testament. We we know, and I'm going to go easy on you today. It's Labor Day weekend. But Jesus gave us these I am statements. Like number one, I am the bread of life. When he said this phrase, I am the bread of life, hey, Philip, for three years, you've heard me say these things. For three years, you see the miracles I've done. What do you mean you need to see the Father? You've seen the Father through me. Knucklehead, <laughs> pay attention, Philip. I am. And what was Jesus doing? Very strategically connecting himself to God because God told Moses, I am. Moses said, Who will I say sent me? Just tell Pharaoh, Moses, I am has sent you. And then Jesus connects with God the Father. He connects with being God in the flesh. And he said in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be hungry. Thirsty. And you're smart enough to know he's not just talking about tortas and tacos and pizza and calzone. He's talking about our souls, when our souls are longing to come out of the fog, when our souls are longing for help, 
When our souls are longing for a word of comfort, a word of grace, a word of peace, I am what you need, Jehovah Jireh, the provider. Here's a question for you. Have, have you been wondering about your future? Just curious. Have you grown concerned over your needs being met? I have an answer for you. It's Jesus. Because Jesus will get you to the Father. And when you get to the Father, the Father will say, Yay, I'm so glad you're here. By the way, let me give you the Holy Spirit. Because <laughs> they always travel in a trio pack. When you come to Jesus, the Holy Spirit. You go to the Holy Spirit, brings you back to Jesus. When you come to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they bring you to the Father. There's no jealousy. There's no power struggle. They always come together. The second thing is, I am the light of the world. Philip had heard this statement. He was there in, in, in John 8, verse 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people. What, what did he say? Would you read it with me? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's who I am. Philip, remember when it happened? I spoke it right before I healed the man who was born blind and never got to see the light. I'm the light. I will heal him. He will see light for the first time. He will see me. I am the light of the world. In the middle of the fog, if you find yourself asking the question, who's going to show me the way? I have an answer for you. Jesus will show you the way. The Bible will show you the way. The Holy Spirit will show you the way. And where do we want to go? We want to go to the third I am, where he says, I am the door. Not a door, not one of many doors. I am the door. Verse 9 of John chapter 10, I am the door, and the person who enters through me will be will be saved and will be able to come in and go out and find pasture. Not our works, but the fact that we come by faith. It's a gift of God, lest anyone should boast. When you get turned around in the fog, and you've lost your way, and all the voices are speaking, and everybody's giving you their point of view. <laughs> Remember, we, we, we learned this, that a point of view is a view from a point. You'll think about it over lunch. Which literally means when someone says, I've got a point of view, it's a view from a point. Who sees all the points? His, his, his name is Jesus. He sees every perspective. He sees your tomorrows. He's, he sees your future. So when somebody just adamant about their point of view, and there's a lot of people out there with their point of views, their opinions are kind of like armpits. Most people have two. And sometimes they're not all that refreshing. If I was a preacher, I'd have fun right there. But anyway, <laughs> bring it. Mike says, bring it. Number four, I'm the good shepherd. Why did he say that? Because there's a lot of shepherds trying to lead people their way. A lot of religious people. Follow me. I'm the Messiah. I'm from God. I'm a... John 10, verse 11. I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd, watch this gives his life for the sheep. 
This is not a hireling who's just there for a while, and when the going gets tough, he leaves. This is Jesus who came in flesh, who never sinned, who was pure and righteous and dies for us. I'm the good shepherd. But the verse before is really good, too. John 10, 10. Can we read this together? Ready, go. There's a thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they might have life and life to the full. Like the 23rd Psalm, the cup runneth over, right? That's good news. I said I was going easy on you today. But here's a question I have. Do you, do you let the thief come to your house? I sat with a gentleman years ago who, uh, his marriage was just going to hell in a handbasket. He was a burly guy, burly. Lift weights, you know. And I'm sitting with him, and I'm thinking, what, what am I going to say? I mean, all the counseling books and marriage books. And, and so I asked him this. I said, um, what would you do if tonight, midnight, you hear a crash, and, 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 and somebody broke into your daughter's bedroom and started to grab her? And this guy, with everything in him, said, I would go in there and I'd rip his head off. I said, you would? Yeah, I would. I said, can I, can I tell you something? There's a thief that broke into your house. What are you going to do about it? He looked at me like, what do you mean? I said, yeah, and I gave him this verse. The thief has come into your house to steal and kill and destroy your marriage and the love you have for your kids and the love they have for you. I wonder if you'll fight against this thief like you would against the molester who came in your house to hurt your daughter. He said, well, what do you mean? I said, you fight by prayer. You fight by changing your attitude. You start by loving your wife, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And by the way, I'm going to tell you right there, and, and, and you know, Mike and John, you guys can talk to me afterwards. That's great counseling right there. You know, I didn't need to hear about when he was five and six and seven. And I just needed him to understand in the analogy of John 10 that the devil broke into his house and is trying to ruin everything. And he was ready to rip the head off of an intruder in the flesh, but not willing to rip the head off of a spiritual intruder called the thief. Listen, don't you dare let the thief come in your house. How does he come in your house? You start talking like the thief. You look at your spouse and say, you just, I don't need to fill in the blanks. You, you know. Um, probably not you, the last service or people online. <laughs> Hi, you guys. I, yeah, I know you're there. Hi, uh, you guys. you probably at your house. You're, you know, yeah. Or, or, or you look at your husband and you say, well, gosh, you're not like that guy. You don't make the money he makes. Or you look at that woman and you say, gosh, I, I should have, by the way, never say this. You, know, you look at your wife and say, well, I, 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 I should have married the girl from high school or some stupid thing like that, right, you know. We, we sometimes find ourselves, and this is not even in the, my notes, 
but it's going against my time, so I'm going to say it anyway. We sometimes find ourselves talking like the devil talks, you know? See, like, like, like Tyler and Jacob and so many young people like them, we want to look in their eyes and say, we believe in you. God has a future for you. And see, when you meet young people like Tyler and Jacob, you go, wow, there's promise for the future. All kids under a certain age are going to ruin America. No, we've ruined America for them. But anyway, I'll, I'll leave that alone. They got to pay the debt for all this. My, my great, 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 great grandchildren have to pay the debt. Um, I forget how many generations, 11 or something, to get us flush. If they all started paying now, it would take 11 generations to get us out of debt. Hello? Good morning. And yet we have this God who provides for us and who doesn't want to steal, kill, and destroy. So here's what you need to sound like in your house. I'm going to give you the answer, and I'll move on, I promise. I'm on my hobby horse. I'll get off of it in a minute. We need to start speaking words of life and life more abundant to each other in our homes. You look at your spouse. You need to look at your parents. You need to look at your brother, your sister, your friends. You need to go to, your, to work and look at your boss and tell your boss, you are so wonderful, even though you know it's not true. You start speaking words of life. You know what happens? Things change. Things change. All right. I'm the resurrection of life, number five. He speaks that. When? when? Does anybody remember? Lazarus. Right before Lazarus is coming out of the tomb, he's deader than dead. King James says that he stinketh. John eleven twenty five. I'm the resurrection and the life. Could, could that be a word for somebody here today? That where things have gone dormant and dead and you've kind of lost that love and feeling for even Jesus? That he wants to resurrect that life in you and give you hope and give you faith? I am the way, the truth, and the life. We already touched on that. Again, Jesus is not being narrow-minded. He's being narrow-focused. I don't want anyone confused about salvation. Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And remember, Philip was there when water was turned into wine. And that's a reminder that Jesus has power over small things. You know, and the significance of the universe, water and the wine, so what? But Jesus cares. The people were embarrassed. They ran out of wine. Jesus cares. Healing of the official's son. Jesus has the power over distance. He doesn't even go to the official's home, but he just says, you go home. You go home, and your son will be healed. Jesus is not bound by time or space. He has the power over distance. He heals the paralyzed man in front of Philip. So he's telling Philip, you have to believe who I am. Oh, you got to show us the Father. I already did. Isn't it something? We sometimes want the Lord to do some other miracle for us when he's already done so much for us. If he never did another miracle, we have enough reason to worship him for all eternity already. Just being saved is enough that we would want to worship him forever. The healing of the paralyzed man, he was born that way. Jesus had power over time. 
feeding of the 5,000. Remember, we've called that not Jesus feeds the multitude, but the disciples did because he gave them the fishies and loaves, and they in turn fed all of those hungry people on the hillside. He has a power over our daily needs. If you've got a daily need, guess what? I've got somewhere you can go, Jesus. What about walking on water? Jesus has power over nature and the physical world. Could you imagine watching him walk on water? Wouldn't that be cool? And Peter, did Peter walk on water? Not very long, but he did. Let's give it up for Peter. Most of us would have never gotten out of the boat. Not you, but other service. Healing the blind man, the power of a human body. Raising Lazarus from the dead, power over life and death. He did all of this in front of Peter's, uh, in front of Philip's face. So I want to take you to a, a final verse, and we're almost done, which in preacher speak means very little. Um, 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Would you read this with me? We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in the fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. It won't be long before we look at Jesus and see him face to face. And when we see him, we shall be like him. Even with cats there. So remember Florence Chadwick, the swimmer gal. She made another attempt two months later to swim in California, Catalina, and back. As she started to swim, you'll never guess what happened. Heavy fog. Heavy fog. But this time she was prepared. This time when the fog rolled in, she said, I got it. And she had a mental image and a belief in her soul of what the shoreline felt like. She knew where she was going, even in the fog. Hmm. You ever see the fog? You're not alone. Jesus is with you. You you ever be asked by him to accomplish something or do something? You ever read the scripture and it comes from there to here and then to now, and you feel it's a word from God for you, and you go, yeah, but that's beyond me. It's too tall of an order, and yet the Lord calls you. We, We know this. His calling is his enabling. Where God guides, he provides. And so she swam. I think of my friends, the Macintoshes. I'm proud of you guys. Tyler, too. Jacob's in the back looking at technology. That's good. I mean, just think about this. It's a story living out in front of us. They get a call from Bernie Fetterman. And we start talking. We start praying and believing and fasting. And what's the next steps? And what do we do? And you guys are courageous to come to Lompoc. You've lived here now since Tuesday. (laughs) Oh, by the way, interesting. They wanted to learn about Lompoc, so the first lunch we had was with the police chief. Pretty good. The second lunch was with the interim fire chief at the time, my son, who has been in Lompoc since the first grade. They got to learn about Lompoc. I took them to the best parts of town and the worst parts of town. 
the clean parts of town and the not-so-clean parts of town. And they heard the voice of God to come and to serve you. So it's a part of my sermon illustration. It says Macintosh, huge change. This is not Everett. (laughs) But it is God's hand and God's will. So I say, if they can do it, you can do it. Philip, wherever you are. Well, you know where he is? He's with the Lord. He's standing in heaven. And he might be remembering, he might be remembering when Jesus said, if you've seen me, Philip, you've seen the Father. Listen, dear ones, Jesus wants to make himself known to you this week. He wants you to see him. He wants you to hear him. He wants to help you destroy the thief that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy from you. And that we would start sounding more and more like people of great faith. Why? Because Jesus is faithful. Why? Because he has given himself to anyone who wants him. So God, we pray that you would give us a heart that's courageous and brave. When we remember in simplicity who you are, you, 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 you said we're all that we need. You are Lord, we need healing. I am. (laughs) We need provision. I am. We need forgiveness. I am. Lord, we need to know that we're loved. I'm, I'm that too. All that we would have need of is found in you. And in the fog, Lord, may we keep running. Or in our analogy today, may we keep swimming. And whatever seems foggy to us, may we put our trust and our faith and our hope in you. May we hear your word and know for certain that you're trustworthy, that you're faithful, and that you're good. And Lord, before I close this prayer, I pray for my friend, Pastor Mike, and the River Church in Ukiah, our sister Foursquare Church. Bless that church, Lord. Give them all the resources they need, the abundance of workers and favor in that community like never before. And Lord, for the body of Christ in our city, wherever you're preached, Lord, may lives be changed, may people be transformed, and may we all continue to believe in you, even in the fog. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.